from analog. analog. Hi, Jim. You've a uh, great signal up here. You're five times plus. Digital. We are everywhere you want to be. This is the CQ Blind Man's Podcast. Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and do a quick little uh, run through our, our host and crew, just to say a few words. Uh, I'll send, uh, start with uh, with Joel, W0CAS. Welcome, everybody, and uh, to our tech Zoom for the second Thursday of every month. Uh, We've got a great topic tonight. We're all anticipating a great uh, talk about battery technology. Uh, but before we go any further, I just want to remind everybody that we're trying to get to the 500 subscribers for our YouTube channel. And the reason is that YouTube has downgraded the number of requirements to become monetization. And what we're going to do, if we get to monetize, we're going to take the money from Google and we're going to buy radios for new blind ham. So as soon as a uh, new licensee that's blind uh, comes into our, our community. We're going to try to make sure they have an accessible radio. So we're going to take all the funds that Google, if we get to that 500 mark. So if you haven't subscribed, please go do so and ask all your family members. It's just one little click of the mouse. And that will help us get the subscribe level up to 500. And we can ask Google for some of their big bucks, and we'll buy radios for new blind hands. Thanks, Julian. Back to you. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, stay close to your mic because I'm going to talk to you about some website stuff here momentarily. So, yeah, I agree. It, uh, we're so close. I think we can do it. Uh, and it'll uh, help us to get some money from the big, mighty Google to pass it along and buy some neat stuff. We've done it in the past with giveaways of nodes and radios to uh, blind amateurs. So, Go subscribe to the CQ Blind Hams YouTube channel. Angelo is in the background taking care of some stuff, but he just wants everybody to know he is doing well. All's good. And I'll just say a few words myself here. My name is Julian. My call is N1CA, November 1, Charlie Alpha, uh, live to you from Southern California. Joel, if you, if you don't mind uh, chiming in on some of this stuff. Uh, the CQ Blindham stats, this is our website that I gave earlier, www.blindhams.com. You recently sent this out, and it's kind of good to know what we're doing in terms of visitors and information. So it says that we've had 594 total views in June, and that we've had 223 visitors. And Joel, I'm just kind of curious... Uh, how how is that parsed in terms of views versus visitors? I believe that may be uh, page views total, and uh, then you break that down into different pages, how many of each page has viewed. So that's probably the, the number of visitors as opposed to how many different pages they viewed. Oh, okay. So it says we've had 471 views of the homepage itself. Right. And a very popular section of our page is Ham Radio Links. That's had 58 uh, views and 31 views of study links. And I, I think we should try to get that number up a little more. Uh, every so often we hear of people who are blind saying, hey, how do I get into amateur radio? How can I study? And uh, that's a good page to uh, perhaps uh, share with people. So again, www.blindhams.com. 
and uh, look for these uh, various links if you're wanting to brush up or study for a test yourself or you know somebody who's blind or low vision that wants to become a ham uh, send them to that link and uh, avail themselves of what's up there and we've talked about the uh, uh, YouTube stuff so again if everybody could uh, go ahead and uh, go ahead and do that uh, subscribing it only takes a few seconds and uh, it could all go toward a good thing and also we need lots of watches of the content so even if you subscribe you should make a point of going there uh, so often I know that a lot of us uh, probably listen to the podcast uh, in the audio form through a podcast app or, or device or something like that but it's not a bad idea to maybe make it a habit to go to YouTube sometimes and watch the YouTube version of the podcast because again these are things that Google uh, takes note of and it makes it easier for blind hams to monetize the channel last but not least uh, on our uh, uh, list here of uh, of of a co-host is Steve WB2KTV. I'm going to pass it to you to uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what's doing in New York, as well as introduce our guest speaker for today. So oh, take okay, away, uh, happy to do that. It's uh, warm and muggy, but it's July, and that's what you get in July in New York. It's warm and muggy for the first year in about five or six years. Our central air is actually keeping up with it, and. Uh, We've got 500 apartments that are nice and cool, and we are very happy to our uh, board of managers for spending our money to make that happen. It's nice and, nice and comfy in here now. Uh, I'd like to introduce Doug, Doug, Doug Chandler, W2VX, who is a member of the Sierra Foothills Amateur Radio Club out in uh, Metal Vista and the surrounding area in California. That's Northern California in the uh, north of San Francisco area, for those who are geographically challenged. I think Julian is in California, and other than him and Mark, I don't think there's anybody else who really knows where that is as well as these guys do. But uh, they're up in the foothills where all the good fruits grow, and I hear them talking about all the great things that are coming out now that their, their drought seems to be pretty much over. Doug is a, uh, a tester and developer of what I would consider the first order. Uh, he goes back a little bit ways, as do most of us, to the days of things like tectronic scopes and uh, tube analyzers and all that sort of thing. And uh, he calls his basement shop Never Never Land. So from Never Never Land and Northern California, I give you W2VX, Doug, who is here tonight to talk to us about batteries. We all love them. We all hate them. We all need them. Thanks, Steve. I think that was my cue. Am I coming through? Loud and clear. All right, good. Always like to check that out because sometimes I can babble on and everybody's like, where's Doug? So uh, first of all, all I'd like to say, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And Steve, thanks for inviting me. Uh, I was supposed to be on last month and I relied on technology to uh, run my life. And all I can say is, do you use technology to run your life and to manage your calendar? Um, you know, you need to double check it. Um, that aside, so I have been 
Um, an amateur radio operator since 2018. So I'm relatively new to amateur radio. Uh, I retired in 2005, uh, escaped from uh, the Bay Area, uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, moved to the foothills, which is uh, just east of Sacramento, California. And uh, I'll just give you a tiny little flavor of my history. Uh, born and raised in Iowa, education there as an undergraduate, studied chemistry, physics, math, computer and system science. Um, and uh, professionally, I developed scientific instruments. I uh, was a software development manager, business product reengineering. Uh, engineer for uh, global ERP systems later in my career. And then I managed to escape it all um, in 2005. But I still love uh, the tech. Uh, I didn't particularly enjoy the uh, engineering, but I really do love the tech. Um, and on top of that, I love uh, my family, dogs, science, teaching, and above all, um, a continued education and learning. So that's kind of who I am. Any questions on that? Anybody got a question or a remark? Okay. So what do I know about batteries? Uh, so batteries is just a huge topic. And so uh, I'm gonna take a very narrow slice out of this, try to make it, um, pertinent to ham radio operators and sort of general use. Um, I would uh, sort of skirt around, you know, all the chemistry and that kind of thing, but let's just talk about some very basics here, which is no matter what kind of batteries we're talking about, they all sort of fall under the same uh, basic definition. And that is, there's some sort of a container. A battery is a container uh, in which energy is stored uh, for later use. And that is further divided into um, some very common energy types that are stored, which is either chemical, electrochemical, thermal, photonic, uh, potential energy, inertial energy, fission and fusion. So anything that we can, any container that we can put some energy into and then extract later uh, for use in some way, that's, that's a battery, very broad definition. Uh, if we divide that down even further, uh, batteries fall into two main, main categories. One is it's either a primary or it's a secondary battery could have probably picked easier names or more meaningful names for these, but a primary battery is one that uh, it contains some energy and when it's depleted, that battery has been designed in such a way that trying to recharge it with more energy can be done to some extent, but it never really was designed to be recharged. So those are primary batteries. It's your AA battery in your, you know, in your flashlight. Uh, and then the secondary batteries are 
batteries that can be discharged and recharged, and uh, that can happen numerous times. Some batteries are better at recharging to their full capacity uh, and uh, recharge more times. And so we're going to uh, take a look today at uh, the prevalent secondary batteries that are in the market. And since we're going to talk about secondary batteries, uh, there's, you know, let's narrow it down even further uh, for our purposes. We're going to look at secondary portable sort of general purpose batteries. And when I when I talk about batteries like that, I'm talking about batteries that are generally 1.5 to 2 kilowatt hours of, of stored energy. And I'm going to further define this discussion around um, use in ham radio or home and portable use. So uh, we're not talking about uh, a big solar battery bank, you know, to power your house or, you know, those kinds of things. I wanted to keep it more focused. Um, and we're going to discuss a little bit. I'm going to present my uh, thoughts on the pros and cons of uh, these different sort of general purpose, uh, medium-sized uh, personal batteries. And I'm going to talk about cost, safety, material available, and uh, can never forget best practices. What do we do in order to be good to our battery so that it'll last a long time? That we're using a battery that's designed and used in a way where uh, we get the maximum benefit out of it. Um, boy, I'm 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 really big on safety first, and I always think of uh, chemical batteries as being uh, IEDs uh, that were poorly designed, and the re and if there's any question about what an IED is, that's an, uh, or an IED, I mean, an IED is an improvised explosive device. So batteries are full of energy. And if you let the energy out in the wrong way, uh, frequently they will start on fire, et cetera, and uh, they can be very dangerous. And that seems to be something that was forgotten for some time until um, some batteries were loaded on airplanes and uh, started the airplanes on fire. So we've become more and more aware of that. And there are cell phones that were designed that had uh, lithium ion batteries in them. And uh, for some reason, those batteries were not properly engineered and they started fires. So uh, it isn't, um, it isn't an overwhelming issue because there are tens and tens of billions of batteries uh, that are being used in the United States and in uh, the world in general. And uh, the number of issues associated with battery fires is going down. So uh, we're getting this figured out. Um, there's also the possibility of chemical burns and the like and um, in order to avoid most of these issues, it's all about uh, separation, isolation, and uh, using appropriate fuses in any application. 
So let's get to uh, specifics about some batteries. Uh, I'm going to talk about lead versus lithium primarily. And as I indicated before, uh, generally under 100 or 200 um, amp hour battery type batteries and uh, generally in the 12, 24, 48 volt uh, category. So let's talk about the uh, world leader as far as the volume of batteries that are in play in this category, and that's lead. So a lot of people <clears throat> um, think that lead is dead because of lithium. And the truth of the matter is uh, lead is still uh, by volume and by energy level, uh, the dominant uh, chemistry that's available and being used in uh, the world. Uh, it's generally uh, float deep cycle batteries uh, or starter batteries that are used in automobiles. Um, the vast majority of batteries that are lead now are sealed lead acid batteries or SLAs or <clears throat> AGMs. And uh, these batteries um, are the workhorses in, in the world. Um, the problem with lead batteries is uh, you generally only get about 200 full recharge cycles on a lead acid battery uh, if they aren't discharged more than 50% of their rated capacity. So, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. And lithium ion batteries, um, lithium polymer or lithium iron phosphate batteries uh, are really making, um, uh, they're a real contender for most of the applications where these lead batteries were currently used. They have a charge rate that's uh, faster than lead, um, sometimes up to four times faster than sealed lead acid batteries. Uh, <clears throat> they can recharge sometimes 20 times more, more times uh, than lead acid. And when they're uh, operated at between 10 and 90% of their total capacity or state of charge. So if you were to walk into, let me make this, put this in practical terms. If you were to want a battery right now and you wanted say 100 amp hours of, um, of energy out of a battery and you walk down to your battery store and you look at lead acid batteries and you look at lithium batteries, uh, a lead acid battery might be uh, rated at say uh, 75 amp hours and a lithium ion battery sitting next to it could be rated at 75 amp hours. And because lead doesn't like to be discharged more than 50% of its rated capacity, that 75 amp hour battery is really good at most 
for a discharge of uh, 40 amp hours. Whereas the lithium ion battery is probably good for 65 amp hours. And the charge rate on a lithium battery is, like I said, four times faster, and it may actually last uh, 20 times as long. Now, from a cost perspective, the lithium battery may cost a few dollars more. It may cost 20% more for the rated capacity, but it's actually got more capacity and its lifetime will be significantly longer. Could be uh, a thousand recharges compared to say uh, 200 recharges on a lead battery. So let me give an example. Uh, if we had a lead battery, I just pulled a few batteries off of, um, of Amazon. If I had a lead acid battery uh, rated at 100 amp hours, um, it would cost me somewhere in the neighborhood of $2.20 for an amp hour of battery. If I derate that by 50%, I'm going to pay almost $4.40 an amp hour for that battery. Uh, and I'm only going to get uh, 50 amp hours of real energy out of it before it needs to be recharged. If I look at a lithium iron phosphate battery, now these all some of these prices have already dropped since I put this presentation together, but a hundred uh, 50 amp hour um, lithium iron phosphate battery may cost, this says 220 bucks. I'll bet they're $100 now. So the price would be about the same per amp hour. And even if I derate it, I'm only uh, paying about $2.50 an amp hour. So for radio purposes and relatively small uh, power requirements, lithium iron phosphate has generally become, uh, you know, the uh, Cinderella of um, the battery chemistries. Okay, any questions? Okay, so, the, the question is, when does lead make sense? I mean, lead is still here, and uh, this is how I make sense out of lead. I have several lead batteries, and I've taken good care of them, and they're six years old, and uh, they don't really show any particular signs of losing a lot of capacity because they're almost always uh, light, light use, and then they're uh, recharged, and I uh, maintenance my batteries. And uh, so when you already have a lead battery and it's in good shape, there's no reason to try to replace it. Um, if you own a supporting infrastructure for lead, such as chargers, monitors, um, MPPT solar chargers, that kind of thing, got money invested in that. Uh, if those aren't going to convert over to um, uh, lithium iron phosphate chemistries, 
then it makes sense to keep them. So if they're not at the end of their life and they're mostly in standby operation, basically you've got them, they're available for free, keep them in use. And as you need additional capacity, that's uh, when I recommend looking at the new chemistry, which is lithium iron phosphate. So there's a lot of discussion about lithium and in the conversations that I have with some of my colleagues, some of my uh, ham radio operator friends, they say, well, what's the difference between lithium ion, lithium polymer, and lithium iron phosphate? By the way, a really good source for uh, digging into a lot of this, of course, is the internet. And one of the places that I particularly like is uh, Battery University. So if you uh, go to batteryuniversity.com, got some really good written material out there on uh, battery chemistries and the, and the differences and the different uses for lithium. So lithium iron phosphate batteries are one of the more stable chemistries that are available. Uh, in the lithium uh, chemistry series. Uh, they tend not to start on fire if, um, uh, if they have high current draws. Uh, they, uh, uh, they're more general purpose uh, um, and they have almost all of the advantages of lithium ion and lithium polymer except uh, they tend to be heavier per unit of energy. So why not just make everything lithium ion or lithium polymer? And the answer to that is uh, mostly lithium ion and lithium polymer require that um, they be engineered specifically for the kinds of loads that they're gonna support and for the kinds of packaging uh, that they're going to go into. So lithium ion and lithium polymer are essentially the same chemistry. Their packaging is a little bit different. Uh, lithium polymer batteries tend to be more uh, like bricks or they're in small um, uh, square sheets and they can be cut to fit into uh, particular applications like inside of cases or cabinets or radios. Uh, almost all of the uh, radios, the HTs that we have, for instance, uh, have a, a removable battery pack. Almost all of those are lithium polymer. The lithium ion is generally something more like the, um, what is it, 18650 um, batteries that were traditionally used in um, in laptops. So they're the brown battery that looks a lot like, uh, you know, something between a double A and a C battery. And uh, they're fast charging. They're very lightweight compared to uh, lithium iron phosphate. And uh, they can just discharge very rapidly. 
And if they're not properly designed and they're not properly used, or if they're opened up and used for purposes that uh, they weren't originally designed for, and the current draws are too high or they're uh, discharged too, uh, too far, uh, they can start fires, uh, they'll swell, uh, they'll damage the insides of your radios if you happen to have them inside the radios themselves. And so um, they're really the best choice for things uh, that are consumer purchased and the battery has been designed specifically to go into that particular device. And generally those Batteries also come with a built-in charger that limits the amount of charge that can go into the battery and the amount of charge that can be removed from the battery. Uh, the same applies for these general purpose lithium iron phosphate batteries, except for the fire part. And, it, and they are also just general purpose and you can pretty much employ them anywhere. And if they have an electronics device inside of them, which is inside of the case itself, which is called a battery management system or BMS, then um, there is generally no uh, concern about uh, um, discharging too quickly or charging too quickly uh, or charging with the wrong charging profiles and limits. Uh, these batteries uh, can only be charged in certain temperature ranges, for instance, and the battery management system uh, knows what the temperatures are. It has thermocouples inside of it, and it knows that there is a limit to the, uh, to the high temperatures in its environment and also low temperatures because a lot of these batteries do not want to be charged uh, when they're at certain low temperatures. And they also don't want to be discharged at temperatures below a certain level. And these battery management systems that are inside of the packaging for the uh, lithium iron phosphate batteries ensure that those issues aren't going to occur. The other thing that happens is that inside of a battery of this type, whether it's 12 volt or 24 volt or 48 volt, um, it just like in lead acid batteries, there are a series of cells that are in there. And the more cells that are in there hooked in series, the higher the voltage um, uh, capability of the battery. And cells get out of balance. So, this battery management system uh, evaluates the charging level of each cell inside of the package, and it can divert a certain amount of current uh, to each of those cells until they are balanced in their charge. A battery management system that's so a battery just isn't a battery anymore. I guess that's one of the things that I want to make sure is clear. These electronics are managing the batteries for us and they're making sure that the maintenance requirements on the battery and the operational uh, parameters aren't exceeded for the batteries. Uh, a lot of these uh, battery management systems add uh, cost to the, to the battery itself. 
because they provide conveniences and they extend the life of the battery. And they have some really interesting, um, um, they have some interesting features. For instance, they have a number of monitors in them, uh, alarms they'll go off when, uh, when things uh, are exceeded or the battery is too warm. Uh, those alarms can be presented to us through Bluetooth or Wi-Fi, so we can actually plug an Ethernet cable uh, into it, or we can attach these uh, batteries to a Wi-Fi connection, or we can uh, uh, have an app on our phone which could uh, give us an audible or visual signal that there's uh, an issue uh, with the battery itself. Um, they can be connected to Ethernet and serial lines. So uh, pretty much the sky is the limit. Uh, and these battery management systems are dedicated not only to a specific battery chemistry, but a particular battery size and a variation on what the battery chemistry might be for a particular um, uh, battery from a particular vendor. And Battery management systems, if you wanted to build your own, you could buy bare cells, you could buy a battery management system and, um, and assemble your own battery uh, and reuse the battery management system in the event that uh, the, you know, the batteries have outlasted their useful life. However, most of these batteries are going to last 10 to 15 years. So, um, I suspect that in 10 to 15 years, uh, lithium iron phosphate batteries will be going the way of lead acid. Uh, battery management systems are also integrated into uh, MPPT systems, um, maximum power uh, uh, output for a solar system from a solar set of solar arrays that would then manage uh, the charging of, of a uh, lithium iron phosphate battery. And the battery management systems can also take and manage a single or multiple batteries that are hooked in uh, parallel uh, or in serial. And when buying a battery that has a battery management system in it, um, such as a lithium iron phosphate battery, one always needs to pay attention to the fact that unlike lead acid batteries, you can't always hook a lithium iron phosphate battery in series or in parallel. So uh, if you're buying a, you know, uh, a lithium iron phosphate battery for general use, and you think, you know what, I'd really like to have the ability to have more amp hours. I'll buy two and we'll put them into, uh, uh, run them parallel to one another. Then um, you may be able to do that and you may not be able to do that depending upon what's happening inside of the battery management system. In a lead acid battery, you can make a four by four matrix and you can add out of 12 volt batteries and you can end up with four times as much uh, uh, amp hours and four times as much voltage and uh, the rest of the maintenance and the management of that battery array would be up to you. 
for a for an integrated battery management system, always check the specs and the manufacturer's limitations on how those batteries uh, can be connected together for additional voltage or different capacity. So let's say that we went out and we got ourselves some batteries and we got the right battery management system and uh, we hook it up to our radio and we run all of the charge out of it and it needs to get recharged. So uh, in the old days, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I went down to the automotive store when I had my lead acid battery and uh, uh, I would you know, get a charger and it, you know, the charger that I got depended upon how much extra money I had in my billfold. And it never really occurred to me that it really made that much difference one way or the other, what uh, battery charger that I used. But uh, for the new lithium batteries, unlike the uh, old uh, lead batteries, uh, it takes a very specific charger that provides a specific charging profile. And um, I'm trying to think of um, a particular instance here, but with a with a lead acid battery, you pretty much charge it until the current stops flowing and the little meter says there's no more amps going into the battery on the charger. It says, no, nah, it's full. And then you disconnect it. On a lithium iron phosphate battery, um, one of the things that is different in this particular uh, chemistry is that if you really want your battery to run for more than 2,000 recharges. Let's say you wanted to get 5,000 recharges out of it. You want a charger that can charge your battery to 90% of full capacity. And the reason for that is, is that the top 10% of the charging cycle is where most of the heat in the charging process uh, is generated. And heat is the enemy of all batteries, regardless of their chemistry. In fact, it's heat is the enemy of everything in the universe. But uh, in batteries particularly, if you don't charge your lithium iron phosphate batteries or any lithium battery above 90%, uh, it will last sometimes two or three times as long as if you charge it all the way to 100%. And you can get a charging device uh, that can determine when it's 90% charged. Now, when you do that, um, you can't really tell whether it's fully charged based on its, uh, uh, its voltage. So what we have to do is we have to monitor the amount of charge which has been taken out of it and integrate that. And then when we hook these uh, charging uh, smart chargers up to them, when we're charging, it stops the charge at 90%. So they're basically integrating uh, the number of coulombs of power that's going back into the battery and the amount of coulombs of power that are coming out of the battery. 
And on the flip side of this, not only do we not want to uh, charge above 90% to extend the life of the battery as a general rule, on the flip side of it, we don't want to discharge below 85%. And the reason for that is uh, there is less resistance, um, sorry, there is more resistance in a fully discharged battery. And since we're charging at a fully discharged battery, there's more resistance during the charging cycle on the bottom side, and it's going to generate heat inside the battery. Uh, lithium batteries, whether they're iron phosphate or, or elsewise, can do very rapid discharges and they can do very rapid charging. And from a practical perspective, when people are looking at buying a charger or a cycling discharge and recharger for balancing, they'll generally buy um, well, I can't say the general. One of the common misconceptions that I've run into is that if you've got some extra money, buy the biggest and most uh, highest capacity charger possible so that you can rapidly charge your battery. So don't buy a three amp charger, you know, buy a 15 amp charger. And my response to that from a practical perspective is if you don't need to charge it in an hour, and you can charge it and you can wait for five hours, right? Then the thing to do is either buy a smaller charger or buy a charger that has the ability to charge at various amperage levels. Also, when you're charging, you generally want to operate in temperatures, not operate in temperatures uh, below 35 degrees Fahrenheit and above 100 degrees Fahrenheit or whatever the manufacturer specifies. And uh, we shouldn't store lithium batteries that are fully charged. Generally, you want to discharge them 25 or 30% and then put them on the shelf. And um, I've got a note here that says never, 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 ever, and I think that means never, ever, discharge fully uh, any lithium iron phosphate battery. Because if they have gone to the point where they're not managed by a battery management system that cuts that off, they haven't bought a battery management system that stops it from discharging below a certain level, uh, you may completely lose um, the ability to recharge that battery. And I have one more slide here uh, for myself. Uh, chargers come in a variety of different types. And um, boy, you know, you can get AC chargers that you plug into the wall. You can get solar MPP battery chargers. Uh, you can get a state of charge uh, monitor for your lithium battery so that it knows how much it's been discharged so that it, like I said before, so that it only fills the tank up to say, you know, 90% and never lets it discharge below say 85% uh, of full discharge. And 
because you can't you you, you can't take a um, voltmeter and put it on your lithium battery and tell whether or not it's discharged by its voltage output because the slope of the discharge voltage is very uh, is almost horizontal until it gets almost completely to the end of the discharge cycle and then the voltage drops off very rapidly. So let me summarize this. Lithium batteries are great. They're lightweight. They're price competitive with um, you know more outdated technologies. The outdated technologies still have their place, especially if you have a lot of uh, cost and you know uh, investment sunk into um, uh, lead batteries. But lithium iron phosphate seems to be the sweet spot right now. Prices are dropping like a rock. Um, you do need to buy some additional equipment. You need to buy the right dischargers, sometimes get a state of charge monitor for them. And um, there's safety features that are built in. And they're, uh, at this point, um, uh, somebody just in the club here bought a 220 amp hour, 12 volt battery for $550. So that's two and a half bucks an amp hour. And six months ago, it was almost double that. So prices are dropping like a rock. All right, um, open it up for questions or comments. Got a couple of questions. Uh, Joel W0CAS. Um, first question is, do you see any new battery technologies uh, coming down the pot, such as uh, solid state batteries or <clears throat> any other technology that you that looks interesting to you? Uh, you know, there's, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've looked at solid state batteries very briefly. I think they're in their infancy. Um, you, you know, there's, um, there's super capacitors uh, that are coming down the pipe. They have limited applications. The, the solid state batteries, it's not clear to me exactly what the sweet spot is for its uh, application use. Uh, for really large capacity, like grid type batteries, um, not for, you know, sort of general purpose, uh, like lithium iron phosphate, but for really large industrial applications, uh, molten metal is coming, sodium batteries, um, they're trying to find a, the right chemistry for sodium batteries and the biggest advantage uh, in sodium, which could be a contender in some places for lithium, is that, man, uh, you, you don't have to dig a hole in the ground to get sodium. <laughs> we already have holes in the ground to mine sodium if we really want to go get the salt there, but you can also just desalinate ocean water and you get all the sodium that you could possibly ever need. Uh, so from a cost perspective, um, that's, um, that seems to be promising. There are so many people working on new battery chemistries and 
when they're doing that, a lot of them are looking at solving the problem of traction motor batteries, you know, for automobiles and trucks. And uh, there are so many things that uh, are associated with, with trying to solve that problem. Just the availability of electricity to recharge all of these batteries is going to be, um, you know, quite, quite the thing. Uh, you know, our grids aren't designed to uh, have 50 million uh, electric cars discharging on our electrical grids, that kind of thing. But, and, but someone has to come up with a way of replacing lithium. There's no question about that. There's no question in the industry that that has to happen uh, because the availability of lithium at the quantities that we need uh, in the free world or in somewhat stabilized uh, mining, uh, known mining spots uh, is very limited. And other places like, what is it, Bolivia, that has uh, known huge reserves is not a stable country. And our consumption of lithium is, uh, it, there's no end to the appetite for lithium right now. So everybody who's anybody who's got um, people who can work on chem uh, chemistry solutions uh, and packaging solutions for batteries is working on it. That was kind great of a long-winded answer, but. That's fine. It's great because, you know, there's been a lot of talk about only a few countries are trying to lock down the mining operations over in Africa and places where lithium is prevalent and uh Things like that, it kind of worries people that think about switching our technology, our, our uh, automotive industry over to uh, EVs. And I was just wondering, have you heard anything about, uh, about uh, the EVs switching over to lithium iron phosphate batteries? Are they doing that now? Or are they specifically staying with lithium? Uh, the the uh, other two lithium compounds. Well, so you know, lithium lithium is more or less lithium. Um, uh, the the safer alternative is lithium iron phosphate. One of the problems with lithium iron uh, phosphate is it's got iron in it, and um, that makes it heavier. And so the batteries uh, don't have the same um, capacities per pound you know, and capacities per unit of volume. So you kind of lose on both ends when you go to lithium iron phosphate. Uh, but I think that uh, first responders are, uh, uh, you know, just don't see any reason why if you're in an automobile accident that the car has to burn you up and everything around you uh, because, you know, the batteries aren't safe. So uh, lithium iron phosphate, it, I think is the dominant target right now for EVs. One more thing before yep. I <laughs> let everybody else have a shot at you. Uh, right now, I think BioNO is one of the leading battery technologies for amateur radio. Have you run across any other manufacturers that maybe is a little bit less in cost, but still could be recommended? You know, I'm sorry. I, you know, I don't really have my finger on uh, the uh, really on the affordability for specific 
Uh, now, were you talking about specific batteries for like HTs and uh, batteries that are, you know, specific single use format? No, no, like uh, a lot of HF guys uh, use Bioeno, the 10 amp hour, 20 amp hour batteries. And uh, Bioeno just seems to be the leader in the industry for, uh, for lithium iron phosphate batteries. Oh, so what you're saying is that for a lithium iron phosphate 12 volt nominal battery, these 10 volt jobs seem to be uh, prevalent, at least from the people that you're talking to. Right. Well, you know what? There are more brands than there are cats in the world. So um, well, that's for sure. <laughs> there's, and, uh, here's here's one of the places that I go to. It's going to sound like a kind of a crazy thing, but uh, when I want to understand what's going on with uh, reliability, durability, and reasonable price on batteries, I go to YouTube and I listen to a guy by the name of Will Prose. That's P-R-O-S-E. And uh, he's a young man that, uh, oh, I just maybe I dated myself. He's a young man that... Um, uh has a youtube channel mostly it was to help people uh put together solar um you know domestic household solar systems and he gets batteries he buys them he tears them apart he looks inside uh, most of the batteries that he looks at are generally you know 50 amp hour to 100 amp hour or then he jumps up to rack mounted uh devices but he gets these things they almost all have uh names like um uh, lifetime and they're sold on amazon he tears them apart he looks at the quality of the cells he looks at the quality of the construction he looks at the capability of the battery management systems and then he does a shootout uh, and he compares the pricing on those batteries. So his first objective is uh, to say, this is a battery that's actually well-constructed. And then um, here it is sort of in the, in the cost arena. And um, the thing, he's, he's got credibility. He's not, he's not trying to sell them. He's just trying to report on what's good. So Will Pros, go check him out. I will. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions? Um, yes, please. K1B City. Please. Uh, name is Margaret, and my clock is going off. Also, um, the we hear a lot on the uh, news and everything about a lot of these battery, a lot of batteries that are. Uh, causing fires and things on uh, on airlines are they yes. a lot a lot of cases due to misuse by the owners or um is there a reason that all this is happening uh you know uh, most of those issues uh where there were fires on uh airlines my recollection is they were uh kids that were getting on airplanes or parents that were buying uh, hoverboards. There were, there were really two applications, hoverboards with lithium iron phosphate, uh, well, with lithium ion batteries, 
and um, and cell phones. Right. Yeah. And and you know what? I haven't heard anything out of that since those issues were solved with the uh, with the cell phones and. Uh, they've really cracked down on scanning for lithium battery uh, technologies that are uh, either carried on or checked. Well, uh, so this, our cell phones, they're iron, or no, they're uh, the polymer, they're, lithium yeah, polymer? They're, yeah, they're lithium polymer batteries. So they don't fall into, so the ones that were in the hoverboards, what, what type were they? Uh, they were lithium ion. The, you know, the, really the difference between lithium polymer and lithium ion is mostly packaging. Okay. Um, the batteries that go in our cell phones, if you can still remove a battery from your cell phone, do you have a, you have a cell phone that has a removable battery or? I, do, I have an iPhone now. It's not removable. <laughs> is it, it's not removable? <laughs> It's, a, it's an iPhone. It's not removable, to my knowledge. Yeah, probably not. Uh, Apple, they're Well, geniuses. let's put it this way. It's not removable by me, anyway. Right. Um, you know, at, at the beginning, when, um, when the technology was very rapidly being integrated into consumer products like cell phones and hoverboards and toys and all that kind of stuff, uh, there wasn't a lot of regulation and, uh, you know, people were still learning. There were also some defects in some of the chemistries for these batteries where when they discharged and recharged a number of times, especially too rapidly, uh, they created uh, something inside of the battery called a dendrite. It's kind of like a stalactite in a cave where a piece of lithium would uh, form uh, solid lithium and it would short out the battery. And as soon as it did that internally, it would get so hot that it would ignite the lithium polymer. Um, those, to the best of my knowledge, I haven't heard of any occurrences of that. And I think one of my previous uh, statements on this was um, of the hundreds of billions of uh, lithium batteries that are uh, installed in consumer products now, there are very, very few reports of fires caused by those. Uh, there's a lot of unhappy customers who can't change their batteries and their cell phone is basically no longer any good because their battery has been charged and recharged too many times. Oh, and you know what? I'm glad you brought that up, Margaret, because one of the things that is prevalent with everybody in the world who's got a cell phone is we have our cell phone and we use it and then when it's time to go to bed we plug it in and recharge it and the idea is that you only get a certain number of recharges on that battery and so when i go to bed i ask my, i have a little monitor in my cell phone and i say uh uh cell phone, uh, what's the battery charge? And if it says, you know, 35% or less, then I recharge it. But if it's not below 35%, I wait until the next morning or until the next afternoon, because that way I'm recharging it less and I'm still not below that 15% 
you know, at the low level of discharge. And if I get up early enough, then I'll look at it and I'll go, oh, well, you know, it's only 80% charged and that's good enough for me. So I'm not charging it all the way to the top. I'm not discharging it all the way to the bottom. And I've got a cell phone in my pocket that I've had for five years. I only get two and a half out of mine. I, get, I have a cell phone in my hand right now that's got five years of service on it. And the battery is in pristine condition because if you can recharge and discharge that battery 5,000 times, right? If you don't exceed that upper limit and that lower limit of discharge, you'll get that 5,000 charges and your bat and your cell phone is good as long as they support the uh, G5 or whatever it is that, you know, the radio is putting out. Thank you. Yep. Anybody else? Don't be shy. No, it's not that about graphite batteries. Was that Angelo? Oh, sorry about that. Yes. It, I, I was looking at your picture, Angelo, just as an aside, and you kind of remind me of somebody I know, but I'm trying to figure out. It, you, you got a picture of you and a microphone. Is that karaoke? No, it's a picture my wife found. I was actually playing a gig somewhere. Oh, nice. Musician. Fantastic. Um, uh, no, you know, I really don't, uh, I don't know anything about graphite batteries. I think it's a niche. Do, what, what do you know? Well, yeah, they were experimenting with it in uh, New Zealand and they had a big thing about it, and then they just went quiet. You know, they do that for one of two reasons. They're on to something and they don't want anybody to know. <laughs> or, you know, it went flat. There are so many emerging uh, chemistries and engineering uh, changes in batteries. I, I think the coolest battery that I've seen in a long time is... Um, <clears throat> is a thermal battery where they take, you know, a few thousand uh, solar panels and they heat up a huge cylinder that's buried in the ground that's, you know, full of rocks and they get the rocks super hot. And then when the sun goes down, they push the uh, heating water through it and they use it to generate steam and generate electricity for the grid. <laughs> I'm sorry for laughing. Wow. That that sounds like an. Hey, Joel, your audio is really low. Maybe you're. Too oh, I'm sorry. I was I, I was leaning away from my microphone. I got a, a desk mic. Uh, I, can, can you repeat that because it sounded really interesting. Yeah, I've I've kind of, I've sort of kicked around a couple of inventions, and one of them was uh, was a solar power station, but it's not solar like you would typically think of. It's solar where you use a Fresnel lens to heat up a tube of an of ammonia which boils at 100 degrees fahrenheit and the ammonia steam would, would run a turbine to charge a charge a battery bank yep uh, you know and 
there's all kinds of, you know, the biggest uh, battery that we got around us is uh, about 108 is uh, in the center of our solar system. So uh, we should use it every chance we get. Anybody else? Comments, questions, smart remarks? Uh, it's been a pleasure if there aren't any. Thanks for inviting me. I hope I didn't run too long and I hope I didn't bore you. Sometimes these topics can, um, I get lost in my own slides. So uh, hopefully that you got something oh, out no, of it. No, 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 it was great. Wonderful, appreciate you, appreciate you coming. We uh, learned a lot. There's a few words that you mentioned uh, that, that I've got to study up on. Be kind, be kind to your batteries and they will be kind to you. All right, and always use fuses. And if you ever do anything experimental, make sure you have a fire extinguisher. That's what I tell all the guys here. They say, what, what do I need in order to do this test? And I say, you know, fuses and a fire extinguisher. So everybody have a great evening. I'm gonna sign off. Thanks again. Thank you. We'll see yeah, you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming very much. Appreciate uh, this presentation. We all certainly learned a lot. All righty, so. Uh, Seven three, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and visit www.blindhands.com.